Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Today, we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to talk about stories, and I think we all know the importance of stories. What's really cool is our guest today is going to talk about how you can tell a story about yourself. And I, you know, I think this is going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, first, before we get going, I just want to take a second to acknowledge my friends at C-Suite, C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. They are terrific partners. Um, we have with us Dr. Dennis Rabello. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, you, you nailed it. Bullseye. Yeah, good nice. job. <laughs> His website is drdennisrebello.com. And that'll be important when we get to the free offer. And he is launching a book. By the time you listen to it, it will be out, but it is not out yet. Um, so it's, and I, I've got to look up here. And I'm looking at a distance. Why don't you share the name of the book? Because otherwise yeah. I'm going to look terrible for the show. <laughs> it's okay. Well, it's not out yet. So you're off the hook a little, Evan. It's, okay. uh, it'll be out very soon in, in a week. And Stories it's story, like you mean it, yes. Yep, it's story like you mean it. And essentially, you know, the subtitle is how to build and use your personal narrative to illustrate who you really are. Okay. Yeah. Which is a challenging thing to do. And I, what I like about the premise is I believe that everybody has a unique value to who they are mm. and that they get to brand themselves and to think about themselves and that will help them in their career that will help them in their jobs so let's just get right at it why is storytelling so important well i mean there are a couple of reasons why it is uh first of all as human beings we story by nature without going to school right and if you're in a training department and i spent a lot of time in training departments myself before uh, I wrote the book uh, and became a university prof. It, it, you know, you you know that people actually can story automatically if you have kids or nieces, nephews, or neighbors. Uh, kids who are five and six years old, they know how to story automatically. You know, there's almost no governor on them. Um, so a story is interesting because what it does is it conveys. So you know, if it if it has uh, imagery, like the, there are different parts of the brain that light up. So the engagement's different, right? You know, the sensory cortex, right? The motor cortex, you know, as someone tells a story, we live in a, a physical world, right? Not even though linguistics is fun. And when we reference objects that are uh, animated, and it's, it's a really sort of uh, impulsive storytelling, right? As kids, if we just think about kids, we get engaged, but over time we, we go into organizations and, you know, it's an only speak when spoken to, you have to raise your hand to, to speak in, in kindergarten. However, right, Evan, you get great liberties. You can sit around a, a storytelling circle and it's about story and then it goes downhill from there. So we essentially lose our storytelling muscle and therefore our capacity to be relationally in exchange to others to, and in the case of personalized storytelling, whether you're in sales, business development, you're leading a team, you're managing a critical situation, a story can still be significant, but like any muscle, if you go out of practice for a long time, there's atrophy. Um, and when it comes to personal storytelling, the challenge is, you know, you've collected at this point in your life so many lived experiences. What experiences do you, do you consider relevant in sense-making when you go tell the story? So now why doesn't someone attack this? Well, because it's very complicated. So most people just say, oh, be authentic, you know, 
uh, be the last one to leave the room, the first one there, do as I say, you know, uh, or uh, lead from the front, lead from the back, lead from the, you know, all kinds of crazy uh, leadership expressions. But none of them address really individualized storytelling and how to form it. And that's what the book is about. It's a, a sharing of a system called the peak story method. And it, for training people, it just cracks it down so that people can actually do it. So I think the number one story every human being in the world should have, and I, and I know that you're going to concur, <laughs> the story about, tell me about yourself. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I, I can tell you that I have a story that I have built when someone says that, but even myself, occasionally I get in a room and I don't know, and I feel ill modest and don't want to, you know, because uh, you want to tell the story in a way that's kind of compelling, but not too overly bragging. Yeah. Um, so let's just talk about what are the keys to telling about yourself, telling, telling your personal story in a, you know, not in the five hour version, but the, you know, the, yeah. the elevator version. Yeah. So let's 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 first address why it's so difficult. Right. And that's it. Right. And, and why now. So you're ahead of the game because you've tried to fashion something that over the years of doing the work that you've done uh, has served you well. But even then, as you rightly point out, there's pause because you're thinking about the audience and you're honoring them to try to say, OK, what am I going to give them? So when I first did the study, which I presented in Oxford, this is called the Oxford Loop, which is in the book to show it this way. So the people listening and not viewing looking at a like incredibly cool diagram. Um, and uh, I do think it's important I should note that that uh, Dennis is a true doctor and a true professor. Um, and that that uh, the benefit of that is he's not just writing like his opinion. He actually has taken time to do research and and validate his premise. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right on. Yeah. And, and, and absolutely. And you know, I, although I'm told to be a crossover teacher because I teach this method to a lot of audiences, but yeah, I'm definitely a professor. And, and I did that. I think this is important to note as well. I did that. I'll explain the diagram to those who are listening in a minute. But um, I did that while I was working full time. I went for my master's and my PhD. So I was always in, by the way, of all places, the training role the training and education role. So whether it was, you know, doing the work for Penske or being the president of Alex Anani's corporate university to develop that brand's sort of thinking power so that the training and development was done to, you know, catch up to the sales and, and to, you know, ensure the ethos and culture was done right. Whatever, wherever I was, I was always training and doing training work and education work. So it, because it's challenging. So if you're listening and you're in that department, I, you know, I applaud you. It, it's challenging work because, you, you have to sell people internally that education's the answer, right? At a time where uh, it probably is and it impacts culture, relationships and whatnot. Now, to answer the question about the diagram, when you walk into a room, you have, con you have consciousness that you should tell a story. Whether it's a conference, a learning conference, a CLO conference, uh, you're a new team member, you're a leader and people haven't seen you in a little while, right? Post COVID, et cetera, whatever it might be. And you have this, consciousness then what happens is you, you your brain rakes through all the lived experiences that you think are relevant in the room kind of like what you did evan and then you have what's called uh, an uh, a rough uh, an unclear start and a rough unfolding that's what the diagram shows and then you're aware that by looking at people that you miss some people that maybe you should have said something else it's not a complete train wreck maybe but you you you, you wrangle through it right 
like a wrestling match with yourself. Not everybody hears or sees all the problems, but you feel it. And then you're conscious that time has expired, a lot of it, and you need to wrap this thing up. Well, some research supports that you have to do that like 17 times before you get good, but no one's going to grant you the opportunity to say, oh, you know, hey, give me, I'll give you take 16 on, tell me about yourself, <laughs> right? So like, that's why this is important stuff. So it's, it's not just about selling or business development. It's about leadership, but it's about showing your individual value and worth. And that's what grants you as a human being an opportunity to show your strengths as a, um, maybe as a pioneer explorer in learning and development, or maybe somebody who's a really great problem solver who has a little bit of a quant background, right? Who has a lot of analytical power. So the book, it, it breaks down three types of stories. Go back. Yeah. Dr. D, if I could just interrupt for a second here. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to make a point. You know, generally speaking, the, one of the first questions that you ask somebody in an interview is tell me about yourself. And, <laughs> That's right. And, That's right. And what I've been taught is the benefit of the question is not about learning about the person. The benefit of the question is to understand how they answer it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do they go on for 30 minutes? Are they organized? Because if you're going to get you interviewed for a job, and I know people here aren't looking for a job, you should have that answer down. Mm -hmm. And you should have that answer down in less than two minutes. Mm -hmm. And that when you ask, and I, a lot of people here hire people, when you ask that question, it's how they answer it. How confident are they? Have they customized it to you? I'm not saying that in real life you have to be that customized, but if you're walking into a job interview, and I'll pick Penske because you mentioned Penske, yeah. you probably ought to be able to try to tie it something into what Penske does, yeah. you know, as yeah. a, as opposed to just generic. Yeah, either uh -huh. overtly or or in subtle ways. So remember, you, when you're doing, uh, so this is, I'm glad you got to this point, Evan. So. So what you'll hear though, even though what you're saying is accurate, you'll hear people do the following. They'll come up with boilerplate, run of the mill stuff, right? And they'll be polished and confident, but you, there's no richness to it. It's a really a surfacey story. So um, absolutely, you should go to some sort of finishing school of sorts in your mind and, and come up with some clarity. But here's the real trick to the, what I determined through the research and the practical work. Remember, I'm running a practice, I'm doing the research, and, I, and I've got organizations as a lab. So, you know, I've, I've helped people organize their stories, whether it's uh, sports people who now run nonprofits and, you know, NFL alum who are doing uh, really good work in cancer research, like Chris Draft, uh, helping his storytellers who are cancer stage four advocate patient storytellers get better so that they can get money for lung cancer, which isn't just a cancer you get when you're a smoker. You know, anybody who has lungs can get this cancer, right? So the point is this, whether it's an interview where you're trying to get some dope uh, to solve something like uh, cancer uh, issues, right? R research blockages and so on and so forth. The key is you have to get to three different types of stories. And the book gets into this. The hero story, which is overcoming obstacle, obstacles. And it's not just any hero story. And you re remember now it's you overcoming obstacles. It's not you saving someone else. The second type, which is think of a, a pyramid, okay? And think of like Maslow's hierarchy, right? Because it's a little bit influenced by that. The difference is that we're looking for formative experiences. We call them blue dots in, in, the, uh, in the book. Blue dots are the ones that are so impressionable, like you were injured, overcame that injury, um, st stood up to a bully, 
right? Learned another language, came from Cambodia to Providence, Rhode Island, learned another language, wrestled boys, you were a female um, in an inner city environment, and then were dual enrolled in, in uh, a university class. Those could all be heroic blue dots, okay? So you overcame an obstacle, and likely there was a competency there, right? You were an explorer, you were analytical, you had self-leadership, you had adaptability, some sort of competency, mental muscle, boom, popped up. So we have a blue dot and hero. In the middle of the triangle, right, it's about belonging. Those are collaborative blue dots. That's when you did something with someone, right? You created something with another or others. And, and then the, the top of the triangle is virtuous. That just means that you really love the thing that you do. The first time I taught, I was like, well, I love this, right? Teaching people how to look at something differently, right? Really difficult topics, right? So th the key really is not, not to overly customize it to be the ideal fit in a way that is, is um, scripty, but I, I get where you're going with it intentionally, right? It's, it's to show that your life moments that might be in work and out of work, are, are, are they're at th all three stages. You can hit them and there's a theme that aligns with the theme for the role that you're applying, okay? So if they need somebody at the university who can teach all kinds of populations and I talk about my PhD, organizational systems, humanistic psych, blah, 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 blah. It's all, it's all sort of wretched, no vomit kind of blah, yuck, right? Nobody, like you feel like you're gonna, it's just too much, right? And that's what you expect from me. So how do I stand out with a personalized narrative, right? Well, I might say that like ever since I was a kid, I, I always liked the difficult task. I, I rode BMX bike, right? When I, BMX bikes before the X Games, probably started using my analytical skills and turned into a teacher in the neighborhood to teach other kids how to jump their bike, how to move their body, how to stretch their arms out, how to, you know, lighten the bike. So I, I use some sort of hard sciences there and problem solving ramp design, traffic flow to cut across the traffic, but get down that nice hill around the corner from my house. Um, but then uh, I had a house fire and the house fire uh, took out my BMX equipment. And I went to a private school that was a few towns away. My parents had to pay for it. Uh, they worked pretty hard. So it was their real money, right? That was going toward it. So I started to turn to studies, became fascinated with physics, also very difficult type of thing and kept winning science fair awards. And I realized that in retrospect that it wasn't my hard science, love for hard science or hard things. Um, and, and working at a national lab when I was 16 and all that other stuff, which is kind of super geeky stuff. It was my ability to, to teach, to teach just like as a BMX kid, to teach the judge why my project was so interesting in holography and why it was so important to the FBI's fingerprint identification and detection system and it could contribute. And by making that synthesis and being able to focus on being like a translator of sorts, right, of sciences and application of sciences to the real world, uh, that's when I really started, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing my own story pathing is what we call it in the book. I'm story pathing myself here and I'm like finding my own lived experiences. And then when I went to, to, to Rochester, New York, um, which was a science scholarship uh, for the University of Rochester, Carnegie Mellon, MIT, all these schools wanted us geeky kids from the National Youth Science Camp to go to their schools and for, as part of the National Foundation, uh, National Science Foundation's work. I realized that, uh, you know, something was way more complicated than physics, and that was people at work. Ready? Wait for it. Telling stories about themselves. So I was fascinated that as I told my story, moving from BMX to science to cognitive psychology to you know, being an entrepreneur and leaving the military school that every time I did that, 
my success was predicated on my ability to narrate through and do some what's called narrative accounting. Now, it doesn't matter if you're selling for a pharma company or you're selling yourself in an interview or you're trying to get a team to understand that you're not who they think you were. Understanding, having, I was having a conversation by email with uh, Howard Gardner, who's over at the uh, at Harvard uh, Business, actually Harvard uh, Education School. He's the professor of cognition there in education. And Howard said, what you're doing, this is when I started the system building it. He said, what you're doing is you're giving business leaders, uh, to steal a word from education, a pedagogy, right? And which is really essentially an apparatus, a way to organize your story. So what's cool about the system is the whole book is about you. You, you find nine dots, you figure out what are they, hero, collab, virtuous, and then you land on three and that becomes your peak story. And then you realize that this is a philosophy for discerning moments in your life as you keep trucking because you're going to keep moving anyway i love everything you're saying the dots sound cool i'm the type of person who likes to follow the dots he used to do dots you know when we used to draw pictures but anyhow um maybe we can have fun and i'll quickly tell one of my uh who am i stories and then you could critique it oh that'd be great yeah i'm in okay. i'm, I'm feel, into it yeah yeah feel, I'm free getting... to, feel free to publicly rip me apart <laughs> I'll be kind because it's for the sake of knowledge. <laughs> you bet. So, um, the um, so I'm going to share the story I would share with somebody when I'm explaining to them that I'm the CEO of Total Training and why. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, Dennis, I'd like to just tell you a little bit about myself. Mm -hmm. And this might not seem to make sense in terms of training, but you're going to see it, it really does. Um, in 1988, I joined a company, I was the fifth employee, and we took the company from basically nothing. And in 20 years, we grew it to $10 billion. And what we discovered was the key to our growth, which, by the way, averaged 29% a year, was that we were really great at training. Because what training did is it created consistency and created scalability. And that if you're going to grow a business, you have to have the ability to create a consistent brand, a consistent experience, and you have to have those tools to have scalability. This created a lifetime passion. And when I decided that I wanted to change my life and do something different and become a little bit more entrepreneurial, I had the opportunity to buy Total Training, which I did about seven years ago. And it just matched with my just total love of training. And we're all about being champions of training and making effective training easy. Um, so that's just a little bit about me and why I'm here and why I care and I'm so passionate about training. Need to improve your business results? Tortal's Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop might be just what you need. We partner with your business experts to identify knowledge gaps, determine training needs, and design a curriculum to help you achieve your business goals. We engage directly with the employees who have the most information to provide. The outcome of our Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop? A detailed blueprint with curriculum goals and strategies on how to implement the curriculum. Good, good. So, so, so okay, this is good. And this, is, this helps me. And it'll probably help the audience to understand and see some distinctions. So it's a, it's a solid start and it served you well. But as a CEO, you get CEO rights. You're in charge of everything so people are going to listen to you. So folks who are, who are listening, who aren't CEOs, don't get CEO rights, okay? So the, they have, it's the flip. 
it's the flip, but they can get power, expertise, power, and be likable if their story is spot on. So just that's an aside. So now let's talk about your story. Give me a part of your life, zero to 13, that was uh, formative in your mind. Very, I'm going to add some parts to your story because what you're doing is you're giving me a slice just in the work lane and that's okay, but I want to enliven the story a little bit. And, and I'll synthesize some parts that you used. I'm just going to recycle them like a good. Uh, so zero to 13, yeah. you want it like a success story? No, no, no. Just a formative experience. Don't worry about fashioning it in any particular way. That's my job. Okay. So you, what I want you to do is just pick a, a moment. Like, look, I mean, I rode a BMX bike and broke my neck, right? Or had okay. a cervical sprain. So you give me something that's. Well, like, I, I'm going to give you the first thing that came to my mind. That would be good. I'm severely dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And I got bar mitzvahed and I had to read in Hebrew um, a haftorah. And, a haftorah. Yeah. yeah. And which is extremely difficult to do as someone who is dyslexic. How did that go? First off, we chose my bar mitzvah based on the shortest haftorah of the year. <laughs> Okay. Very, very clever. Very clever. (laughs) And it it was a tremendous amount of work. I mean, tremendous amount of work, but it it went went pretty well. Okay. I'm not sure this is the greatest story. No, it will be actually. Don't worry about evaluating. That's my job. You're just supposed to be, you you just give me some answers. Don't worry about it. Um, When you think of a story that, you know, was something where you first, uh, when you really uh, fell in love with training, right? Like, wait, like you know, it's great that you did 29% a year. That's, that's good statistics. It's good for the analytical thinker who is listening to you. But when you really saw like a love for training and you said, I, I have to bring training to more people. So when I was um, probably 19 would be mm-hmm. my guess. My father sent me, we were in the, we were in the appliance business to a NARDA uh, conference where they did a tremendous amount of training. And that's when I really learned and I heard from the people like, uh, you know, the people that started companies like Circuit City and uh, things of that nature about how training had such an impact on their company. And when I went to the training, I like just absolutely loved it. And I took back the training to the family business and started implementing the training in, into, into the company. Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to tell your story. Okay. okay. All right, I'm, I'm good. So, uh, so you're going to say, Hey, you're going to be me and I'm going to be you. So you're going to say, Hey, Evan, how are you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Hey, Evan, how are you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'd be, I'd be glad to. And here's the good news. I've, uh, <laughs> I've overcome my dyslexia a little bit. <laughs> Have you heard that story from anybody before we met, Dennis? I have not. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my training career started really early. Um, I, I actually uh, ha- have dyslexia. And one of the challenges that I had to overcome, which was actually training myself, how to get through what's called a half Torah, which, uh, and do it in Hebrew. Um, and I know you're Portuguese uh, and I don't think you're uh, Jewish, but let me tell you, it was one of the most challenging things I could have ever gone through. But what I realized through that experience, Dennis, is that if you have a system and you break things down, 
we we chose the the shortest half Torah. We honored me, the learner. Um, I I was able to overcome it, but I needed to be consistent in my effort, and I needed to have a system. And this was validated when I went to a, a NARDA conference uh, years later, when I was nineteen. Uh, representing the family business, my dad had sent me away. And, and there were some great people there. There were folks who uh, were the ones who started Circuit City. Um, and they had lots of organization. They knew how things worked. They knew how to break things down. And they knew what content was the richest content. And I realized that it's not just about serving me to get through something, but I could serve others. And at that point, I realized that it's in those kinds of relationships that my skills as a sort of an unsuspecting educator could really come alive. And lo and behold, they did. For about 20 years from 1988, all, all the way to, well, 20 years after that, right? Till not so long ago, I actually, I actually ran a company uh, which was really powered by training. And the 29% growth a year the secret sauce could absolutely be attributed to how do we break it down? How do we get it into the minds of people? How do they actually be merit-based, feel good about themselves, increase their engagement and serve the client? And what I realized that it, this was great that I did it for myself when I was young, a young man, and I, and I did it for my family enterprise. By the way, training family is not easy, <laughs> okay, just for the record. But then if you can train others to get great returns and engagement, still better. And I realized the next chapter of my life, the next season of my life had to be running a training company so that I wasn't just handling one enterprise, but multiple enterprises, and then aggregating content and distilling that quickly so that more companies could have success. And that's when I decided total training would be my next, uh, next last thing maybe, right? Uh, and that I would be bringing that forward. So I've got a lot of training putting myself in the fire first. And now I'm, I'm looking to sort of help others in the process. So I'd uh, love to hear more about you, Dennis. Okay. So yeah. Excellent. So that's a, an example of a peak story. Excellent. Okay. I mean, you disclose my, disclose my age a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, lo I loved it. I love the fact that you, you know, early, middle, late, you know, it just uh, had it all flow and you could absolutely see, you know, a passion, which I personally have, obviously, for training yeah, uh, coming through. It was, it was cool. Well, I, you know, you gave me the parts, right? I just used the very system that's in the book to assemble them. And, you know, the process, and, and that's what's key, right? When you do your own research, I call it me search. It's, it's the best sort of research you could be doing because you're actually studying your own life. It's like your own little discovery channel. But the difference between saying, yeah, I'm really passionate about training and actually someone like I never once said I'm passionate about training, but what I loved about your response immediately was that you said, boy, that was really good. You know, I am passionate about training. I never said that, but I embodied it in the, in the storytelling. Right. Yeah. And, and the reason why is because you saw that over time. And so this is a narrative is like chapter, as you pointed out, past, now, future. And that arc has to make sense. And when that makes sense, Boom. That's what gives you as the storyteller value and worth. They realized that just as uh, Stephen Jobs said, uh, you know, connect, let's, he wanted to connect the dots in his life during the Stanford speech that he gave, right? When he thought he had recovered from, from cancer and that, that sort of scare had him investigate his own life. 
Well, you'll see in his story too, is that he follows a, a peak methodology to tell his story. You know, his hero story was dropping out of Reed College to drop into calligraphy class, despite it yeah. being a promise, right? And uh, of his uh, of his adopting parents to his birth, uh, his birth mom to keep him in college. He knew that it was a big deal, but he didn't want to waste his adopted parents' money. So that was uh, him being an explorer, right? And, and despite the fact that it was, that means he went to, to do things that he really wanted to do that he didn't know the outcomes of. That's the definition of an explorer, right? And when he started uh, in the garage with Steve W, the Apple, the collaborative experience. And then when he eventually got booted from his own company, that's a negative collaborative experience. And then when he ran Next, which became really the, the you know, Next in Pixar, right? Yeah. Um, it became the way in which Apple would look at the world after that. That was when he fell in love with his virtuous self, which is it, the virtuous is just, I love this work, right? So what I really love about this is uh, what we just did is that it, it follows the same arc and, and me being you in that storytelling moment, I felt really cool too, by the way, just for the listeners, I felt like, I was like, wow, I have a pretty good life, you know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I really liked is I've never considered going that far back. But it does add character. It does add. It does. It, you know, it, you, you're very articulate, and I'll probably watch the recording a few times here so I can take some yeah. of the words that you used. So let let's shift gears. Sure. For a second, because we're pretty close to out of time, and you know, I know you wrote the book, and we talked, and I know what you're. You know, you've got a gift around the book, and. And you really want people to get value and, and you're, that's your real commitment. And you're not expecting 100 people or 300 people to call you necessarily to do what you do. But who are your ideal clients? Who are the people that, you know, what, tell us a little bit about your company and what, and what you do. Yeah, so, so essentially the ideal client it's a tough question. When we were, when I was writing the book, we were asked, uh, yeah, I was asked by several people, you know, can you just tell me who who's the ideal avatar? And I said, listen, every, you know, if you're a young student trying to get into Northeastern, you know, you should be able to have a methodology as well as the police officer who wants to be, you know, hiring the agency, as well as the next global CEO of a large pharma company. There, there should be a methodology. It's just that your lived experiences are different. So uh, my ideal client, though, for, for, so is my practice is usually leaders. Okay, uh, my ideal client, though, in terms of people that it, they're not really clients, but they're people that we support in through the nonprofit that I I founded, are uh, typically community-based organizations and schools, right? Um, in the private practice that I have, it's uh, which is um, with for-profit companies, it is typically HR training folks, um, vice presidents of sales forces, right? Uh, chief yeah. revenue officers who say, look, you got to differentiate yourself, right? Well, how are you going to do that? You're going to, you're going to use the same features and benefits as the person who's selling, um, something else. So interesting. That is basically like the thing you're selling. So the only difference is the person who's speaking, right? So I have to understand that you actually are like wrapping paper of value, uh, in, in, in you know, interwoven in the deliverable, whether it's a product or a service. So you know, anyone who speaks for a living and the stakes are high. Hi, I like that. I like that. So um, I know your book isn't out right now, but will be out by the time people are listening. So 
go to Amazon or yeah. Barnes and Noble, wherever you go. But uh, tell us again, the name of the book, how people find it, and then also about your offer. So the name of the book is Story Like You Mean It by Dr. Dennis Ribello, and that's me. And you can find it at all of the sites that Evan just mentioned. You can also go to drdennisrebello.com. That's D-R-D-E-N-N-I-S-R-E-B-E-L-O. So that's rebel with an O.com. And when you go there, you'll see the book and you can just click on that. It'll take you right to Amazon. But for, for an offer, what we've done too is we made it immediately downloadable that you could grab the first chapter in its entirety. So it's not just one or two or three pages. You get the whole first chapter. And the reason being is that we, you know, we want people to be able to, to hear the style of the book, right? Hear the voice at, before you make the purchase, right? And, and just take it. Um, the, the other bonus offers, uh, offer that we have for, for folks is that you can also sign up to get the four essentials to peak storytelling, telling a personalized story. You can sign up and you get four pretty, uh, pretty nice emails with some secret tips about how you can story better, however you decide to do it. That sounds cool. That's a, see, I didn't even know you're going to have that bonus. Well, I just so, thought I, I thought I'd add it in because I'm having so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> bonus on top of bonus. We love yeah, it. Uh, right. Our last question, as you know, is if you had one tip to share with the audience, what would that one tip be? Yeah, my my one tip to the audience would be get moving, right? Get moving in terms of looking at your own storytelling. And one of the best things that you can do is is take your phone out hit the record button and pretend you're on that high stakes call interview and record yourself and, mm -hmm. and pretend, yeah. Woo. Right. And then, because that's, that's like getting on the scale, right. That's like really going to the doctor's visit an annual, right. It's like getting your blood pressure. We, 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 we have to have for in pro sports, it would be the akin to looking at tape, right. Looking at video, you should listen to yourself, right. And when you listen to yourself, you'll pick up that you're, you know, your, your, if your voice goes up too much, it's probably saying something about the content of what you're saying. And if your stuff sounds like everybody else's stuff, then you need to fix your stuff. So use your recorder, you know, take a baseline. You know, it's a great tip. It, it, it's interesting. There's just somebody on, on the radio. I don't know his name. So he advertises a lot, but he, he talks about salespeople. And he says, 92% of every salesperson never reads a book on selling. <laughs> And I just sit there and think, oh my God, how can you do that? How can you possibly, <laughs> um, you know, be a professional and, and, and not, you know, read books on your profession? Uh, you know, it's why people are listening to this podcast is because they want to, they want to grow as people and recording yourself makes total sense. If, if your presentation is important, yeah, you listen gonna, to yourself. You're going you're to listen to yourself. That's right. Yeah. And and, you know, one of the uh, just fun side notes to the book is that we made it so that it could be stackable into curriculum. You know, my, my wife is an instructional designer. Her name is Shannon. And, uh, and so she's had a big influence on how I've taken a lot of my content and really distilled it so that it could, you know, reach people at all ages and stages. Um, and that's why we, you know, we can, we can teach this methodology and stack it into and weave it into many different programs. So Something to keep in mind if you're thinking, well, how, how difficult is this? It's as a professor, is it an academic? This is an action-based book. And at the end of every chapter, there's something for you to do. So if you don't like doing, don't get the book. But if you want to change what the recording sounds like, then get going. Okay. But it, it doesn't, you know, read like a Tom Clancy novel, right? It's not that kind of action. 
<laughs> no, no. Yeah, we'll leave that. We'll leave that to Clancy. You know, this is you getting into the action seat. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's good. Anyhow, um, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, I want to thank uh, our listeners. I sincerely thank our listeners. Without you, we and our watchers for our TV show. Uh, without you, we wouldn't have a show. Want to thank my friends at C Suite uh, TV and C Suite Radio. Everyone, have a great day. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Total Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Total makes effective training easier. Just go to Tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's Tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.